Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on The Horn. Yeah, hook them up on a, on a Tuesday. Hopefully you got that uh, Arizona Cardinal under four and a half total wins bet in. And I advised you to do so last week. They are tanking in the desert, Rod Babers. They are tanking in the desert. Oh, man. I'm telling you, you said earlier, Houston Texans, take notes. It, it's it's really I, I, it's admirable. I mean, I really do admire what they're doing. They saw, Unless you're buying tickets for the full well, price. Yeah, it sucks <laughs> if you're a fan. Trust me. We Hey, I was a fan of a team that tanked and, and, and a team and that failed. screwed up the tank. Exactly. All right. They tanked and then messed it up. You're going to tank, and we all got to deal with the pain and misery of you tanking and everybody knowing you're tanking. At least succeed. At the tank, and that's what Arizona Cardinals are doing right now. They saw that Colt McCoy was way too competent of a of a quarterback. He was definitely going to go out there and compete to win you a couple of games. There's a good chance he might have won two two or three games. Rallied the troops, Can't inspired guys walking through there, staying ex staying late, coming in early. You know, got the team working extra hard, showing pride and commitment. Can't nah, have it. We can't have that. No, no, no. Got to get Colt out of here. So that's basically that was a compliment to Colt. That Colt, you know what, man, you too damn good. You gonna you gonna screw up our tank job here because you are gonna go out there and win a game or two, inspire these guys to want to play really well, and then you are gonna mess up our tank job. We cannot have that. So Colt, go somewhere else where you can help a team win, which is what you want to do because we don't want to win around here. We don't want to win. We ain't trying to win around here. No. Uh, well, Tank job, we, baby. Tank-a-thon. Well, new coach, new general manager. This was my reasoning last week when they – I mean, this was the clear signal that we're tanking. When you say – the guy who has been your QB1 all off season, through all the mini camps, <laughs> all the training camp, all the preseason games, <laughs> and you cut him a week before the season starts to a bring him – A week before. <laughs> and you're going to hand it to either Joshua Dobbs, who just got oh. to your team, or Clayton Toon, the kid out of Houston. Wow. Yeah, you're trying to lose. Oh, uh, it's good. Hey, you know what? Like I said, d- why leave room for doubt? Yeah, That's what the Texans did. The Texans screwed it up. They left room for doubt. And what happened? It crept up and bit them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the moment you knew Houston was tanking was when they hired David Cully. And you're like, oh, okay. But then he started winning too much. Remember? Yeah, he won Everybody too much. fired him. He's like, damn it, Cully. You're showing competence around here. We need an aptitude. And we need it now. You're, <laughs> you're, you're inspiring people. You're what inspiring are we doing? people. And then they should have fired Lovey. Uh, they should have basically let, gave Lovey his walking papers and not let him coach that last game. But they did they fire him before the last game? Or did they, it, re, it was reported that he was about to be fired. He knew he was going to be fired. He knew he was going to be fired. And they should have just let him go because he knew it. And that's why he rallied the troops to go get a win. And screwed up the tank job. Well, now we'll see. Because now uh, the the pick would have been the one pick. Of course, the Panthers acquired it from the Bears. Um, and then they gobbled up, uh, um, gosh, Heisman Trophy. Alabama, why can't I think of his name? The quarterback, cool. number one pick. Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Oh, Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Sorry. Oh, Bryce yeah. Young, <laughs> C.J. Stroud comparisons will always be there now because you know Houston ended up with the second pick, and C.J. Stroud was the guy. We'll see. Those like two. Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf stuff? 
Well, it'll always be compared because, you know, if, if, if Bryce like, Young goes on to be a star and like, if Houston sports history is... Andrew Luck, RG3? Was RG3 too? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Uh, it's just because they were linked. Because Houston didn't have the choice. They had to take what was left, the second guy. Uh, what would they have done if they had the one pick? Would, mm. would they have taken C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young? They didn't have that choice. It's the Texans, so whatever the wrong choice. <laughs> right. Been, yeah, as a Houston sports fan my whole life, that'll Bryce Young will turn out to be Joe Montana. <laughs> It'll be the next coming to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. It was like, oh, you end and up with C.J. Stroud. Stroud will not be. be out of the league in like four years. I don't be. think that's the case. Though. I actually like C.J. Stroud. I think you brought up his ball accuracy and ball placement. That is something that is evident, jumps off the screen as soon as he's there. So I think as long as they put the right pieces around him, he's going to be okay. And he's got a better O-line starting out than Bryce Young does. Yeah, he does. His O-line no is, they invested in the O-line, man. And they made well, a trade. Speaking of Cardinals, they traded for one of their O-line. Yeah, that's one of the, uh, the 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 quiet things that Nick Casario has done. He has built. I mean, we got Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, Titus Howard at right mm-hmm. tackle. They drafted Kenyon Green out of A and M last year in the first round, number fifteen overall. Yep. They d- drafted Juice Scruggs at center this year second in the second round. round, and they signed Shaq Mason. Yes. So they've got a good O line. I mean, at least it's got to perform. So with Damian Pierce, they should be able to run the football, which should protect a young Again, quarterback. Uh, you know, and if this kid Tank Dell and Dalton Schultz can become security blanket um, receivers for him, you know they're not going to go ch- challenge for divisions or anything, but they can win some football games in the NFL. Uh, we will see. Uh, and their defense, they hope they can. Uh, well, that's D'Amico. That's his, you know, that's, that's his expertise. Yeah, yeah. So de- de- honestly, I'm not worried about the defense because I know that's D'Amico's expertise. He should handle that. I'm more worried about the offense. But uh, as you just pointed out, there, there's a lot more to work with. The hope is that you are not so bad as to give the Cardinals the number two overall pick yeah, and the number one overall pick, the, a thirteenth pick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they should. If they end up having the one and two pick, then uh, the Texans failed. The, yes. They failed yeah. miserably. Which will probably happen. So, no, 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 no. Let's go ahead and plan no. for that now. I'm, New you know, regime, baby. New regime. Come on. We, it's, it's the Houston you know. way. You just plan for, okay, that's going to happen. Yeah. Bryce but, Young's going to be great. Houston, uh, Arizona will be picking 1-2 next year. <laughs> and we'll mm-mm. take uh, Caleb no. Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Thank I got Texans winning enough games where they won't be the second worst team in, in, in the NFL. Uh, well, that, I can, we'll that I can guarantee you. And the Cowboys are chasing right. a championship, baby. It's Super Bowl time. Hey, Michael Parsons has brought it up twice now in the offseason. Oh, I know. He That's said Super motion. Bowl or bust. We played that audio yesterday, and then they had that session from that same, I believe that same, I believe it was the same interview. Not interview, but it was like a um, pep rally of some sort for the Cowboys. Session, yeah. Whatever it was. And it was from the same one you just played, but for the defense, and um, for that defense, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, both. Made you know grand uh, claims that they're going to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl, so they're talking about it for the Cowboys, man. They're in it, and that means that means you got to warm up, got to get ready, got to start stretching. Right man. before the season, on the way to the Super Bowl begins, they trade for Trey Lance. What did you do that for? I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. I know you had your reasons last year. Put some pressure on Dak, man. Put some pressure on Dak. They want some pressure on Dak. Is Dak's not Carson Wentz? He's not going to fold up. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not going to go Carson Wentz on this. He's not going to wince this up. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll all watch together. Let's get to the other headlines, though. Trending topics to start the eight o'clock hour. A lot going on with Ian Rodby. Top Gun Equipment Rentals get you the news and bring you the news. We appreciate them. Uh, T minus four days now to the Longhorn opener with the Rice Owls since. 
last week's comments from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark while he was at a Texas Tech football booster function were made. All Texas fans were eager to hear what Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian had to say about the conference commissioner and uh, what he heard yesterday or heard last week. Here's Coach Sark yesterday at his first news conference of the year to uh, get ready for game week. He responded publicly for the first time. You know, I got a letter from the commissioner about sportsmanship the day before that speech. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, about what are we promoting to our student athletes and then to go say those types of things. So I'm, I'm not guessing he's going to have his Thanksgiving dinner with us the night before that game. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, that's, a lot's been made about that. A lot's been made about a T-shirt being made. Let, let's not make this more than it is. Man, this is about us. We're focused on what we get to do and why we get to do it. We know who's behind us, and that's okay. Now let's go play. Now let's go play. 2.30 Saturday, Longhorns, 35-point favorites. They're 74-21-1 all-time against the Rice Owls. Major League Baseball, quite a night on the Diamonds. Uh, starting Boston, where Jose Altuve of the Astros became the first Houston go, go. player in a decade to hit for the cycle. Altuve doubled in the third inning. Then he singled in the fifth, tripled in the sixth, and came to bat again in the eighth inning, looking to uh, turn the feet. And Altuve sends one high, sends one deep, sends one into the Boston night. 13-4. Hit number four for Jose Altuve, and he hits for the cycle. Yeah, ninth all-time Astro to hit for the cycle. Club's first since 2013. They win that ball game 13-5. Uh, last night, a huge win for the slumping Texas Rangers as well. Last night, they opened the series with the last place Mets in New York, and the Rangers were down three to two in the ninth inning. Now, if you know your Rangers, they were zero and forty-seven going into that game last night. When trailing in the ninth inning of a baseball game, well, they had a rally. How about uh, got two aboard early with a Jonah Heim single and then Ezekiel Duran double. They loaded the bases with nobody out, but then back-to-back strikeouts meant two outs with first baseman Nathaniel Lowe at the plate. The two-one. And this one hit sharply. In the right field, base hit. Smith scores. Here comes Duran. The throw. Not in time. Two runs score. And the Rangers take a 4-3 lead in the ninth. They would close it in the home half and get that victory, their first win after entering the ninth and trailing, as we said, all season long. Meanwhile, in Seattle, the Mariners just keep on cranking. They beat the A's 7 to nothing. So no change atop the AL West. Seattle has a one-game lead over both Houston and Texas. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Riddles and Lawn Equipment. Top Guns join forces with the legendary Austin Outdoor Power to give you the best lines of outdoor power equipment and the fastest repair turnaround times in town. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. I was uh, very pleased with Steve Sarkeesian's retort to Brett Yormark's remarks uh, that little, he had A little pointed, but also Oh, I thought they were perfect. Yes, because I think he took the high road. Um, he didn't want to. He want to call him out. You know, he didn't want to be. Yeah, I, I think he wanted to be too obvious in him calling him out. So I'm glad that he brought up the memo or the email that was sent about sportsmanship, uh, and, and then essentially calling the commissioner a bit of a hypocrite um, by you know obviously saying some remarks that weren't very sportsmanlike. And I also thought it was interesting that at the end of his comments, he said, listen, none of that stuff, though, it matters. It, none of that matters. It's all about us. He brought it back to it's about us. It's about our team. It's about our journey and what we represent. He did talk about the alumni. He talked about the brand a little bit, too. Uh, so I, I thought the comments were perfect. I think they I were do too. Poignant. I think that was well said. And yeah. It came late in the press conference before anybody asked him about it. Uh, he had a, already talked a bunch, so he he was cooking pretty good, and he uh, he was ready to handle it. 
He was ready to answer Yeah, you can tell. That's a good point. He was ready for that one. Uh, Because I like the fact that he didn't ignore it completely. He gave a little pointed jab. Gave him a little, hey, what was that letter about there, boss? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, made it about his team. That's the right way to take that. It is. Somebody on the text line, Longhorn Bear, said, Rangers gave me a heart attack last night. Great win, bad strike zone. Yeah, the strike zone. Uh, this is why, I, you know, I'm, I'm a proponent of the automated strike zone. I'm in the minority of that. I get that as a baseball fan and, and longtime baseball fan. But you watch a game like that last night, I thought Rangers almost lost because the home plate umpire sucked. Uh, you know, the, the, the Rangers had two aboard, and they loaded the bases with nobody out. And two strikeouts were just terrible calls, like mm. off the plate. Yeah. Uh, the, what are you guys now? It's and you're thinking this is a homer call. You're in New York. The Mets crowd's getting into it, and Nathaniel Lowe saved the day uh, with a big single. He's been a clutch performer for them, and Jose Altuve was great. And uh, Seattle just keeps on winning, so that's there. Also, out of the football side, Rod, the uh, we mentioned the Colt McCoy release, but on the good side for Lifetime Longhorns, looks like Cameron Dicker has won the Chargers' starting kicker job. He was great last year, though. I, I really don't even understand how he ended up in a heated competition. Considering all the horror stories we're hearing about kickers across the NFL, you know, the Cowboys need a kicker really bad. I remember thinking, man, the Cowboys need to be interested in going to get Cameron Dicker. He was special teams player well, of the year last season. Held twice, I rookie. believe. Yeah, weeks of the week. Of the week, sorry. Yeah, the, game when he Of the week, goals. sorry. Of the, twice, I believe. And, yeah, and he still ended up in a heated competition. Yeah, uh, this season, so I I thought he actually earned himself a job in the NFL with any team last season. But the reason he was competing is that they had their, they had already had a kicker in Dustin Hopkins, who was hurt, uh, and that's why he got the gig with the Chargers. He came back, and then he was they were battling this year mm-hmm. in, in camp, and uh, Hopkins is the one that gets dealt. They sent him to great. Cleveland Browns. So mm-hmm. uh, Cameron Dicker keeps that gig. I think everybody in the league was waiting for Cameron Dicker to maybe get released, and we're going to take him. You're, no doubt. You know, Kyle Shanahan's 49ers are looking for a kicker. The Cowboys have a 28-year-old rookie as their kicker. And boy, I had to take Cameron Dicker over that. So Dustin Hopkins to Cleveland. Colt McCoy released by the Cardinals, and they are tanking. And we mentioned earlier, Colt McCoy walks away with $2.25 million. Ooh. He walks away with a little money. Yeah. Straight cash, homie. And like you Thanks, said, Colt, he... for the offseason of being QB1. <laughs> Appreciate you. And there's just too many teams that need a reliable, competent backup. So I know he... You know, I, you know what year is this for Cole? I don't know, but you know he could retire because he's. You talked about it. He's that. He's at that age. I'm sure him and his wife and family have talked about that. But man, last year, 68 different starting quarterbacks in the NFL. 21 teams used multiple quarterbacks. 13 teams used at least three starting quarterbacks. Because of the the games they're playing, they're using teams are using more quarterbacks, and just I me, mean, Cole McCoy is definitely one of the better of the sixty eight different starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's one of those. He's good enough to be one of those <laughs> yeah. from last season, no doubt. Agreed, agreed. And uh, you know, th- there's also the question at thirty six: Does he want to keep going? Yeah, exactly. We it, don't know that. Is Colt? You know, is that because again, wherever he goes, he's gonna have to learn a new new system and. New offense. He's been in Arizona for quite a bit now, and he thought he was going to get his chance to, to start. Uh, I'm glad with this team he's not because I don't think it was going to go very well for him. But uh, either way, Colt McCoy is out. Cameron Dicker in. Today is cut-down day. 3 o'clock this afternoon is the deadline. Yeah, so that's what dreams die, baby. So a lot of dreams are going to die today. It's okay. It's all right. It's it. Some of y'all's football sports dreams died long ago in middle school, some of y'all in high school. Uh, but unfortunately for some of these men, and I was one of them, uh, the, the, dream, the dream will die. 
<laughs> the, dream the death of the die. dream. They'll realize today they'll get that trash bag from their team to pack their stuff in, and then they'll walk out of there, and then their phone won't be ringing, and then their agent will be like, yeah, we really ain't got nothing. But this is the beauty of it. Their NFL dream will die. But now you got the XFL. Oh. You got the USFL. You got other they'll options. play for the Rock. Yes. I used to have to go to Canada. To keep my dream alive. I went to Canada to keep my dream alive. That's how you know I really wanted to keep that dream alive. I went all the way to another country to keep the dream alive. Today is cut down day. <laughs> Got to get to 53. And as my guy, uh, Jason Isbell, wrote in a song called Speed, Speed Trap Town, Rod. Mm-hmm. Talking about football, it's a boy's first love and a man's first loss. you damn right. It is. It is. You're going to cry. A lot of guys cried. Cry. Last... Tide made Ty, cry. Ty, Ty, Ty's was over in high school, which oh. is what Isbell was writing about when the mm-hmm. high school career is over. And that's, that's a good it. line. I like that. Yeah, it's a boy's first love and a man's first loss. So uh, today is cut down day. Keep an eye. Jonathan Taylor is going to get traded. We'll see. Colts. Mm, that move know. happen? I'm uh, starting not to think. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, know. they're kind of in a mess there because, he, remember, he's on the pup list too. And if he's not off the pup list by 3 o'clock today, he's out for the first four games. If you're on the physically unable to perform list when the season, as of today at 3 o'clock, you will will be out for the entire month of September. First four games, mm-hmm. you're out, and then they can you can bring them back. So they got to figure out this Jonathan Jonathan Taylor thing because he's on the pup list. Um, they've been in this dispute with him. They haven't been able to work out a trade. So by three o'clock, they either have to trade him or take him off the pup list and try to soothe the uh, mm-hmm. the, the bad feelings. And yeah, there's a lot of bad blood, man. Speaking of. Well, that, well, that's why if you're a team like the Miami Dolphins, you would just wonder because they know the same thing that's going. They know the drama. And it's like, well, we've made our offer. We know what's coming at 3 o'clock. You guys can handle that, or you can go ahead and go, you know, give us Jonathan Taylor. They've turned, they've turned down the, the Dolphins offer. We don't know exactly what draft capital was included in that offer. Stephen Holder claims that, that the Colts want the equivalent of a first-round pick or first-round value, whatever that may be, in exchange for Jonathan Taylor. And then you reported a mystery team might be. I, that's what I heard this morning. The There's a mystery team that uh, has been unidentified. That might be the team that swoop in and say, oh, Eagles. didn't see that coming. Man, if it's the Eagles. Remember when the you know, the 49ers swooped in and got Christian McCaffrey last year yeah. during, right before the trade deadline mm. in October? Ooh. All right, a couple other NFL notes you don't want your thoughts on. We just did our bullish and BS segment, but how about this? Um, on the Trey Lance thing, Jimmy Garoppolo, because, again, players are asked, and Jimmy Garoppolo uh, was quoted in Vegas yesterday as saying that Trey Lance, Lance has a bright future, just need, needed to get out of there. Needed to, and needs to get out there get and play some there. football. Mm-hmm. Because as somebody said, maybe I watch too much HGTV, but Trey Lance looks like a classic fix and flip. Buy low, get a third rounder next year. But my question is, we're a week to the season starting. How are you going to fix him this year? He's not going to play. The, in, a, in a perfect world, he won't play. I mean, obviously, the injuries and the numbers you've given, Rod, of there's a chance he could play. But at the same time, if the Cowboys have their way, Dak Prescott's going to be their quarterback. Yes. You, you don't develop third-string quarterbacks during the season. That's an off-field, off-season project. Great. Uh, so there's not really a way to, to he, fix him right now. He may not be the flip, but listen, you got another quarterback, Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush that's on a two-year contract that also started 4-0 as a starter in the NFL. And there are a lot of teams that think that he could be a viable backup for them. So if, if he uh, Trey Lance, the project of Trey Lance, the developmental project, may allow you to flip another quarterback. This is the beauty of when you stockpile quarterbacks, when you keep drafting quarterbacks like the Patriots, right? They they traded Matt Castle for a second-round pick, Jimmy Garoppolo for a second-round pick, traded Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Mallett. They traded Drew Bledsoe. All these quarterbacks they accumulated, not Drew Bledsoe, but he was part of it when the new regime well, you, came in. My point is when you, start, when you stockpile quarterbacks like that, because they're such valuable assets, Assets, you can flip them. You can flip them. Two things. Uh, like the, I, I, the, the fourth round pick I thought was too high. At the same time, I think you should have let Dak and Mike McCarthy know 
Uh, Jerry Jones should have said, hey, uh, we're going to do this, but let me let my coach and my quarterback know what's coming. Uh, And, you know, that didn't happen. Mike McCarthy said he's fine with it. Uh, Same time, do you think, Rod, there's any part of this that is a message to Dak Prescott? Yes. And how much of it? Yes. Um, That's a great question. And is that a good idea right now? I'm not sure how much of it is, but I I think part of it is a message to him. Um, I I want – Cowboys want to avoid the regression. That's also a new contract extension coming up for him. One of the reasons the Patriots would keep drafting quarterbacks, 10 of them, after Tom Brady won his Super Bowl while he was with the Patriots because they want to send a message to Tom Brady. Hey, let's not play hardball with these contracts now. All right? We drafted you in the sixth round. 109th overall, we drafted another quarterback ahead of where we drafted you. We will, uh, we will consider other options if you play hardball. And Tom Brady never really played hardball for other reasons. He wants to win, and he had TB12, all that kind of stuff. But I think it also could be a message to Dak. We want you to take your play to the next level. Um, also, we, you know, don't play hardball. Don't play hardball with us, man. Don't, don't <laughs> so, do it. So you know, don't do it. You, well, we'll give you like, what you're worth, but don't play hardball with us. You know, <laughs> again, Jerry Jones makes this move. I know a lot of people are, are are wondering why he would take this step. Same time, he's the GM. He makes the move, and he was the third pick of the draft a few years ago. That's that's a, that's a commodity you're getting for a low price that could develop. Same time, yes, Dak Prescott. It's a big year. This is a bar. This is a barometer year on Dak no and doubt. Mike McCarthy. Both yes. of them know. Past the divisional round, or we didn't have a good season, y'all. That's that's really where we're at at this point. Are you going? You said the window. You might have to now reset the window if well, you can't the, push through this year. Well, think about this for Jerry Jones. I mean, the question even with Romo before Dak and before they gave Dak the big contract, the question was, okay, yeah, I agree, maybe Dak's not elite, but who, who are you going to bring in? Well, now if Dak isn't elite this year, Jerry and Stephen may have the answer to. Who are you gonna turn? Who are you gonna bring in? Because Dak's gonna win you enough games where you're gonna be drafting in the back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be drafting where you probably can't get a franchise quarterback. Maybe you just made a trade in September or the August that brings you a quarterback that you can say, you know what, Dak, we, we need a higher ceiling at that position. And again, yeah. all those things can be true, and Dak can be motivated by that to go make it happen. I think they should have let him know before the announce the that, news was. That would have been a courtesy, but you just said something too that's interesting, and I think you you're right there. To motivate him. This is also another reason. Don't act like the Cowboys don't like Dak. They love Dak. But they also, let's motivate him. One of the reasons that Bill Belichick kept drafting quarterbacks because he knew Tom Brady, for even his time in college, hell, Lloyd Carr probably already told him, right, that, hey, man, Tom Brady's at his best when his back is up against the wall. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. When he thinks his job is on the line. Oh, that's when we get the best Tom Brady. So they did it to him in college, right? He drew Lloyd Henson. Carr trained him that way. Yeah, he trained him. They mentally programmed him that way. And then Belichick, he kept that same model in, in, with the Patriots that, no, no, he'll always think his job's on the line. The only time Tom Brady got insecure about his job was when Jimmy Garoppolo came along and he'd always thought, man, I'm the GOAT. Why am I still proving myself? Why am I still competing for this job, Bill Belichick? And then he went to Robert Kraft and said, you got to trade this guy. I'm tired of competing for this job. And Robert Kraft, you know, obliged and did what he wanted to do. But that was also a part of what made Tom Brady the GOAT and great was that Bill Belichick kept pushing them buttons. He just kept pushing them buttons. And I think a little bit of this is Jerry trying to push them buttons on Dak. Dak came in and really never had to win the job. He 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 was he, you know, he, he actually earned the job, but he never had to go take it because it was given to him because Romo got hurt and then Kelly Moore got hurt and then he just ended up being the perfect spot and it was a great evaluation by the Cowboys who, who by the way, have only, have only drafted seven quarterbacks in the common draft in the last 34 years. So they need to be a Acquiring more quarterbacks anyway, but I think a lot of it is like you said, they want to push him. Let's see, let's see if he's Carson Wentz. 
If he's more Carson Wentz or if he's more Tom Brady. Yeah, Carson Wentz folded when they drafted Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'll say this. One other note out of football, and then we're going to get behind the bird orange curtain with Rod uh, at the bottom of the hour. Also, before the end of the hour, we'll go off the record, which we're excited to do. But uh, how about this? So San Francisco 49ers wide receiver Willie Sneed is in San Fran. He spent the last three years in New Orleans catching passes from Drew Brees. Uh, and he says his current quarterback, Brock Purdy, reminds him a lot of Drew Brees. He says, I love Brock. I remember mm. when I first met him last year, when I first came in, humble, humble kid, work ethic out, out of this world, reminds me of a young Drew Brees. Ooh. I tell him that all the time. He's a really humble kid, comes to work every day with the same mentality to get better. I see a young Drew. Willie Seed's a coach there, right? He's not a player anymore. Yes. Okay. Mm. I, was yes. like, he, I was like, he must be like 45 years old. Yeah. <laughs> really? What do you think about that? You, you, you hot on that? I mean, you know, young Drew Brees. Not all the uh, the flash, not the big arm, but, man, just anticipation, accuracy, and uh, plays the point guard position. Uh, well, obviously, Shano and John Lynch are willing to go all in with Brock Purdy. They think he is that guy. Otherwise, they wouldn't have tossed Trey Lance aside the way they did. See ya. They think Brock Purdy yeah, is that w- guy. That's right. They better be right because trading Trey Lance and they're taking a lot of hit criticism even in the Bay Area for giving up on a third overall pick that you gave up a lot of assets to go get. Uh, that Brock Purdy, he has pressure too. He needs to he be does. real good. He has, yeah, because uh, they think he's going to respond though. They remember they the you pointed this out too. They were really high on him before he even got the start because as their third team quarterback, like Trey Lance is for the Cowboys, he was lighting up. The best defense in the league in practice, yeah. and they kept saying, "Man, is this practice or can that. he do this in the games?" And it turns out he did in the games. Yeah, Brock, they they, they had a high <laughs> opinion of him before yeah. he even ever took a snap as a starting quarterback. All right, we'll come back when we do behind the burn orange curtain off the record before the end of the hour. Ian Rod B with Ty with you. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. One zero one nine AM twelve sixty. The Horn. Boy, getting uh, amped up, geeked up, fired up because football season is here. If you're a high school football fan, you got to take in games last weekend across the area. And uh, now college football coming out of zero week where it was minimal schedule, only a couple of real big games. But, uh, boy, that cranks up Thursday um, all the way through Sunday with college football taking center stage. No NFL this weekend. It's all college football because the NFL will start next Thursday and into their first full Sunday. Then it'll be double barrel college and pro football. But uh, this weekend into Labor Day, uh, all college football all the time, including Thursday night's uh, showdown out in Utah with Florida and Utah to start the weekend. No Cam and Rising. No Cam Rising for Mm -hmm. Utah, which uh, Billy Napier's Florida Gators will make that trip. Remember, Utah played at Florida last year in a really good game uh, down in the swamp. Now they get the return engagement. Of course, uh, Utah, the defending Pac-12 champions, and uh, and Kyle Whittingham does a lot of winning in that stadium. It's hard to he win does. at mm-hmm. Utah. That's a great game this weekend. Everybody be watching Deion Sanders' debut against TCU on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Uh, 20 and a half, Rod. 20 and a half, the, the Vegas number. I'm yeah. leaning. It's, uh, well, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, Deion has done a lot. to. T- he's, nobody's turned over a roster more than the Colorado Buffaloes, and I still don't know if he's done enough. And it's early on, too, with all that turnover. I think people are just anticipating if he does – you know, get this team into, you know, uh, uh, onto a winning streak or back to their winning ways. They only won one game last year. It'll be later on in the season, not early. I uh, I would say this about that guy. I, I would think, because Sonny Dykes isn't going to turn it off. If he's getting it going against that Colorado team that's all brand new. Oh, it's a national 
nasty televised game. Yeah, he's got to. Yeah, and so that number for recruiting purposes. Well, yeah, because because if Deion Sanders were to win that game in the Metroplex or Mm. keep it close, even against a team who played for a national championship or a program that did, yeah, uh, you know, Deion will have momentum, and you know, his recruiting. This is his backyard, the DFW. Uh, Sonny Dykes needs to take a stand. And your 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 net your Big Twelve partner and you're about to be a Big Twelve that, that, member. Yeah, about to yeah. be a Big Twelve member oh, pretty yeah. soon too. Oh, so yeah, yeah, you definitely can't have that him them recruiting your backyard with that kind of momentum. And TCU's coming off their best recruiting uh, season offseason in history. Just, yeah. They just had their best recruiting season in the history of the program because they're coming off a national title appearance. And Easier we, to recruit when you're doing and that. We know with uh, your affinity for Dion, oh. if Dion gets some mojo, it won't just be Ooh. recruiting high school players, recruiting your roster coach. Yes, he will. <laughs> you're damn right. Yeah, now the transfer reporter. You're right. Now he's just straight up recruiting yo guys. Yeah. yeah you're right about that, man. Hey, let's uh, go behind the burn orange curtain. College football is here. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? behind that curtain. All right, Steve Sarkeesian had his game week press conference yesterday, so we've been uh, sifting through the audio of Steve Sarkeesian from the media availability. We played some pieces from you all, pieces for you already, but uh, I want to play this audio of him talking about the uh, the quarterback position and not you know the competition at quarterback because we know who QB one is. It is Quinn Ewers, uh, but how you know Quinn Ewers now being cemented as the starter the entire offseason, the spring, you know now all throughout training camp. Not a competition with Hudson Card like you had last season. What are the benefits of having QB one in- installed, QB one cemented in that position the entire year? Here is Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, you know I think that. Um for Quinn, obviously there's a sense of confidence for him, right? That's just natural. That's human nature. But I think it's allowed me to coach him differently um, to a, you know, where he's feeling like when I'm coaching him, it's coaching him to be the best that he can be and not feel like sometimes that I'm pointing things out that he's doing wrong and why is he thinking I'm doing something wrong and maybe can get defensive. That's anybody. That's human nature. Um, when in reality, the whole time we're always coaching everybody to, to try to be the best that they can be and, and, and do it right. And so, but I do think there's a level of confidence. I think Quinn and I have gotten to a really cool space um, of, of communication and understanding. Um, I'm able to talk to him about you know, little the, the minutia in plays and, and in defenses and things going on, and he's worked at it. And I think that he's earned, that, he's earned those conversations, and in the end he's applying them. And and I think as an offense and as a team, we're reaping the benefits of that. Like that. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. Um, and at the he mentioned confidence probably two or three times there. And that's big, especially for a guy in a natural leadership position who I don't know if Quinn's a, is naturally a vocal leader, but at quarterback you have to be a vocal leader. You have to have that confidence to you know be able to call out your peers, hold them accountable. And there's also the element of and Vy was great at this. I always say you know you got to have some swagger at quarterback, and swagger to me can mean a lot of different things. But it's swagger is confidence to spare. 
And say what you want about Colt, he had his own style of swagger. <laughs> it wasn't quite what V.Y.'s style of swagger, but it was very different. But V.Y. had so much, he could sprinkle some of his swagger on you and give you confidence. You need that as a quarterback. You need to have so much swagger that you can sprinkle some of it. You, you have swagger to spare for others who may need it, and you can give them some, and then they can, they can obviously be inspired by your confidence. That's a big part of it, and I think now you're starting to see that, the Quinn, or at least that's what he was mentioning there or implying there. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you got to coach them. Uh, but if you're Quinn Ewers and you're always looking over your shoulder thinking, oh, man, I'm going to lose my job, you, you're more open to it. You're, you guys are talking mm-hmm. coach player. I'm trying to develop you. Uh, I played the position. I've coached the position with a lot of different people, and you, you need to do it this way, uh, or or let's let's try it this way. I think that's good. It, it also le- that's a, that's a growing relationship too, where there's mutual trust, Ron. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah, and and you know I remember when Coach Akina and I got to that point where we had our own language, <laughs> uh, and, and there were things that could go unspoken, and he would know uh, that, you know, based on me coming back from the sideline, he, he didn't even have to say certain things. I would basically open up the conversation with, oh, yeah, coach, definitely she'd had inside, inside leverage there on that third down. That was my fault. I knew where my help was, and, I could, and he wouldn't even speak. I'd go through a spiel for about 90 seconds, and coach would go, okay. And then he wouldn't okay. have to say anything because that's everything that he was going to say when he came over there. I think that's where coaches want to be with their players. That The players are basically their little mini-me versions of the coach out there mentally, and they're thinking through the game just like they would. Uh, and I think that's what Sark's talking about there. Uh, Sark also mentioned that, that without you know, having to worry about the quarterback competition, which takes a lot of your energy, a lot of your attention, a lot of your resources as a coach, now he's got time to focus and, and that energy to focus on other parts of his football team without having to worry about who's going to be QB1 because you know that now that's Quinn Ewers. Here's Sark. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, th- this training camp, probably more so than ever, I really focused on the entirety of the team. You know, in year one, we were trying to install an offensive system at the same time too. Year two, I was trying to figure out who was going to be the starter this year having knowing that what Quinn was going to be and knowing we'd have a battle there at the, at the backup spot. You know, Coach Milwee, Coach Flood, that group was able to take a little bit more of the reins there, and I was really able to, you know, stay connected to the defensive side of the ball and on special teams, and uh, that that's just really a carryover from the summer because that's kind of how the summer went for me. That's interesting. I'm, I'm glad he said that too. And he, he, I, the one thing I do love about Sark, he is pretty honest. And forthcoming. I mean, he just admitted that basically. Like, yeah, I didn't have a lot of time to focus on the entire team when I got here, which makes sense. He had COVID, when he, you know what I mean, to worry about, all that kind of stuff. You had, uh, remember we talking about separate there? We had all the construction they had going on and all that, yeah, all that stuff. They have a locker room. They have a locker room. And one thing I think is also going to help them this year, and he, he hinted at it, but I don't think we're talking about it enough because we really can't quantify it. You've talked about it, actually. I'll give you credit. You've brought it up a few times. The continuity um, aspect with this team now, the fact that you do have mostly, I think, mean, 90%, 95% of the same coaches with the same message, same expectation, same system, same terminology. You haven't had continuity like this on a staff at Texas since Mac Brown in the mid to later 2000s. Yeah. 
Since then, as we know, there's been tons of turnover and coaches trying to tweak it to get it right and find the perfect chemistry with his coaching staff. So Mac didn't get it right toward the end of his tenure here at Texas. Charlie Strong never really got it right. Um, Tom Herman never really got it right. So the staff kept changing, and also so did the system, the expectations, the terminology, all of that with the coaches. Now relationships have been forced bonded together right these guys have now been together for a long time in the same system i don't think we can quantify how much that's going to uh, mean for the overall improvement of this team well and i compare that because i covered mac when you were coming through there and that was a big staple of mac brown Mm-hmm. Mac was big because, you know, everybody wanted Greg Davis fired early on at Texas. So you, <laughs> you know, Mac used to say, oh, you know, there's there's you know, 30 million offensive coordinators in Texas, 30 million of them, you know, however many people lived in Texas at the time. Uh, but Mac was a staunch believer because he watched, uh, you know, Tom Osborne and other coaches that he admired growing up. They would keep the staff together, and that mm-hmm. continuity breeds continuity, right, within yep. your locker room. It's the same message. But, you know, Rod, that all changed for Mac. And you could argue it's when the you know the spokes came off the wheel of the Texas football program in 2008 into 2009, and then because remember Mac did the coach and waiting thing. Yes, he did. Right, he was going to oh, hand. I remember I was Muschamp. at the press conference. Yeah, when Muschamp and DeLos Dodds and Mac agreed to it, and I'm going to hand the reins to Will Muschamp. Now the time was not determined, but everybody knew that it was well. Everybody within the coaching staff was under the impression that after the. 2010 Rose Bowl that it was over yep and Will Muschamp was going to be the coach Mac was going to step upstairs and and take another role uh Will Muschamp was building his staff and of course we know Mac put an end to all of that then came back and you know changed the offense they went five and seven that year and then Mac had to fire all those guys had to had to fire them (laughs) well and that began the 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 cycle of coaches because Mac he knew. I mean, he never found the right mix again because Mac was such a CEO. So many of those coaches that were on his staff for years, they knew their role. They knew where they had to pick Mac up. They knew where they had to know, know mm-hmm. how to do their job. You know, then Mac would hire an entirely new staff, and it, it just never was right. And that that came to an end in 2013. Then it was Charlie Strong with new staffs every year, new offensive coordinators each of his three. Tom Herman went through mm-hmm. cycles of staffs, and new three DCs, three, 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 new, yeah, yeah two, multiple DCs, yeah. And the continuity that Sark has been a believer in it. I'm going to hire the best coach, I, best coaching staff I can build from year one, and we're sticking this thing together. And as Sark now says, one of the things he loves about his defense is that they've had zero change on the coaching staff. Every coach, so every player has heard yeah. the same message as long as they've been on this campus. And the players start to sound like the coaches now. Yeah, exactly. And it's a great point. And, and that's why I think the defense is it, possible. They could go from being good too great yeah. or elite. It's and it would be a lot of that what you just talked about, the really the the immeasurable, kind of the intangibles we cannot really quantify because it's just how this team is bonded, their communication is better. Everybody knows the expectations, you know the system really well. Now it's really ingrained. So I think that's a big part of why this defense could take a leap. And I love what you just said at the end there too. And I've I've described this too in another way. The coaches have tutors now. They don't have to go teach the lesson to each and every player. To each and every member of you know the the organization now now you have so many people that have been around with this group for so long the continuity that we just talked about but now the players can teach the younger guys so you the coaches cannot they can you know obviously give the message but they don't have to repeat the message over and over again that message being now repeated by the players yeah. the younger guys now they go to the older players and go so what was coach talking about oh no I got you young so come here. I'll break it down for you. And, yeah, so now it is always the best way to learn something, to totally, you know, immerse yourself in it, is to become a teacher of it. 
Right? That's how you know you can. Re- that's why they want Dak to be a play caller. And it's like, all right, Dak, call the plays. You call the plays, and I know you know the offense. You yeah. got to know what to call the plays. You really want somebody to learn something, have them teach it. Yeah. And that's basically what these older veteran players are doing now. They're just teaching the younger guys the system, the, the culture, uh, the standard operating procedure, everything. And I think that's what's making Sark's job so much easier and why he loves this team now. It's a stress-free team for him. Yeah, SOP, the standard. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that exactly right. And Texas hasn't had that in a long time. We talked about a lot of things Texas had in a long time, but I can go back to 2008. That's probably in the it. nine. Yep. The last time we had this much continuity they did on the staff. Hey, come back. Uh, we're going off the record, uh, and I got one for you, Rod. I got one. I got another one. <laughs> I got one. We've got off the record. It's going to be brought to you by Viking Fence. We'll do it next. Off the record on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. <laughs> D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get to bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Off the record, stories you've missed and that you need to hear. Including earlier, Rod, on our Just the Facts segment, I told you Ronald Acuna Acuna Jr. hit his 29th home run of the season last night. He is now past Ricky Henderson. For the, it's the most home runs hit by a player who's also stolen 60 bases in a season. That's amazing. And that's that, the rule changes are helping that, though, by the way. Steals are up. Steals are up. Steals are up, man. Acuna Teams are running. is a stud. He's going to have a 30-60 yeah. season. And that's the point of the rule changes, to show off athletic skills like dude, that. It's fun dude. watching guys steal bases. And that's sexy. That's what I wanted to do when I was young in baseball. Speed and power, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, last night in Colorado, some dudes came out of the stands I don't want to say attacked Ronald Acuna, but they were drunk and they started hugging on him. And security couldn't get this dude off of Ronald Acuna. <laughs> it's like what? This is the weirdest <laughs> what? thing. Was it just an admirer? Yeah, it was like a drunk guy. And then two of then there were two on the, oh, and Ronald who? Acuna fell down. Hold on, why did the other guy come running in? Because I guess it was a buddy of his from the stands. Oh, he came running in, and that, that's where oh. Acuna took a took a leveling. And it's like, what are we doing here, Colorado security? Now the security guard were right on top of it. By the time. Because Ronald oh, Acuna was playing his spot in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Dude came out of the stands, and Acuna just kind of let him walk up to him, and he hugged him. And so yeah, the security guard. Acuna wasn't freaked out. He didn't look freaked out. No, nah, he just was chilling. And then the first security guard tried to get the guy off, but he's trying to pry him away from a man he's hugging. And then here comes another dude who got decked, but in the process, Acuna tripped over the other security guard and went down. I mean, it's just fortunately nobody was hurt, and it it was just. But you know that's scary. I'm surprised. Remember, we've seen people get tackled, get straight up. Well, remember, Monica Sellis in tennis got yeah. stabbed. Remember, we saw the other guy. Uh, this is maybe this was earlier this season or maybe last season. We saw somebody get tackled by security. Oh, decked. they tried to run on the field. It was a great tackle too. I'm talking form. Well, tackle. that's why, and you know people. Uh, Ty, they like, well, they're hitting him too hard. Look, these guys could oh. have weapons. Yeah, you never know. Well, the guy that try, was trying to propose to his girlfriend. Yeah, got, and he got, got totally <laughs> mollywopped. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. I just think if you get on the field, you're open season. And that's oh, your, yeah, no. Because no they do have to protect the players. Because, again, in that same case, if that guy had a blade they don't know of some who you kind. Are. Yeah, they have no idea what, you, what you're thinking. And if I were Ronald Acuna, yeah. I wouldn't have been that. No, I would have been kicking that dude in the nuts or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we don't know what your been. intentions are, man. Sorry. I'm not going to punch him with my throwing hand because we know it's baseball. You don't do that. But you, but you know that was scary. But uh, that happened last night off the record. I was what surprised you, that he didn't freak out. Like he just he was so calm. 
Maybe the guy was talking to him as he was coming, like, I love you or something. I don't know. It was just weird. It's one of those things that all happened real quick for Acuna, you have to think. Uh, what say you, Rod, okay. off the record, brother? We didn't talk about this, but this is a weird story. Jerry Jones. Jerry I think Jones. He must be just missing the headlines because he's trying to get in them lately. Um, he admitted that uh, basically they would have drafted, <laughs> he's claiming they would have drafted Jalen Hurts. But if Jalen Hurts was around. This is this is actually I got it from Pro Football Talk. He said in, in explaining his team's decision to send a fourth round pick to the 49ers for quarterback Trey Lance, Cowboys owner and GM uh, Jerry Jones twice suggested that he was ready to select another quarterback in a prior draft. He said, "Quote: If he had hung around long enough, we might have done this on the Philadelphia quarterback about two years ago." Ooh, He's referring Hurts. to Jalen Hurts. He also said, I just told you two years ago, we were looking at the Philadelphia quarterback. I don't want to call any names, but we were looking at him. He had fallen. T- if he had fallen to us, we would have drafted him. So there you go. He so said, well, I don't want to call any names. Well, you know, we know who you're talking about, Jerry, the Philadelphia you Roger Worski or something? <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, so there you go. I, mean, I told you the Cowboys have drafted like seven quarterbacks in the last 34 NFL but, common drafts. But, but Jerry Jones, there were many that he wanted to draft. There was many he was thinking about, Rod. Johnny Manziel, too. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny. Paxton Lynch, Connor Cook. All right, last one for oh. me and off the record, and this is a real thing. Rod, uh, Rod, you don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. Nah, I'm not a coffee drinker. Are you a fan of the pumpkin spice stuff, the pumpkin spice yes. lattes? You are, Ty? Mm, not me. Well, now if you'd like those or even – because now they have pumpkin spice candles. It's going to rage. Uh, the company Dude Wipes. Dude Wipes. Dude Wipes. Like that. It's come out for the fall. They're, they're pumpkin spiced butt wipes. And they're selling them under the name Dumpkin Spice. Okay. Well done. I'm man. in with that. That's you can you can have that area tanned and smelling nice. That, yeah, that's that's that, that's wise. quality marketing you like right there. Dumpkin spice. Dumpkin spice is quality marketing. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know if I would <laughs> I would go that route, but I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? You want you want hey you want to make sure it smells nice. It's good. Thank you, dude. Wipes. Smell like pumpkin spice down there. <laughs> okay. That's kind of like our Bevo. Uh, urinal cakes. The Pivo, the Pivo, the Pivo Piscuits. <laughs> That's still a grand old we idea. We got to do that. That is still a money maker, man. I love it. All right. Well, I'm in. There's Off the Record brought to you by Viking Fence. We'll come back. We've got two more hours to go, including the number four team in our Horn Top 20 countdown. Oh, yeah. Number four on the way to number one. Also, Rod will have another rant coming up to start our nine o'clock hour. We'll play a round of Who Said That? And a very special guest, by the way, to help us uh, preview the number four team in our countdown, which we're excited about. Do a deep dive on the Buckeyes of Ohio State in the next hour. We're coming back.